Welcome to the R&B Godcast. This podcast is put together especially for anyone who wants to grow in Christ, who wants to serve Jesus, and who wants to be involved in youth outreach or evangelistic ministry of any kind. We're so glad you're here with us. And we're so excited to have you listen to our discussions on current issues, relevant topics, and personal stories. My name is Robbie, and that was Brad. And this is the r Godcast. Happy listening. Hey everyone, welcome to the RNB Godcast. I'm Robbie. And I am Brad. And we are here today to, to officially, I guess, <laughs> to officially start mm-hmm. off our series. Um, mm-hmm. So we had an introduction from last time and like a, a, an overview of, the, of how we felt, I guess, on the different salient chapters of uh, the, the master plan of evangelism, which we will be... Uh, discussing over the next few episodes and uh, so we'll be starting off with the first chapter tonight and a more in-depth uh, what do, would we call it analysis or just like a discussion I guess because yeah it, it sounds too 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 fancy <laughs> it does because we're not really picking it apart I think yeah as much as anything it's just considering one how it's been so uh, effective to think this way in our ministries and mm. also uh, why mm. I would encourage anyone. In fact, uh, again, we do uh, pastoral internships and missionary internships at our church, and this is always top of the list. This is my philosophy of ministry. And and -hmm. again, uh, as we pointed out, um, it's such a powerful way of thinking, and it really uh, transcends the book that uh, Robert Coleman wrote immensely, because he wrote it with that evangelism alone in mind, but really what we Mm. see is that this discipleship plan, this way of choosing how to invest your time mm-hmm. is exactly what the Lord did and, and thus is a really good example for us to at least consider. Though, obviously, we've got limitations that, you know, we're not in the same position yeah, yeah. as he was and we're not, you know, the son of God. So that yeah. makes a difference too. <laughs> so as we get to selection, I think the thing I think I really appreciate about selection is the intentionality of it all, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's so easy to just be busy when we're doing ministry, and it's so easy to yeah. just do something and not assume, not really ask, is this effective? Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's become kind of pious and, you know, this self-righteous, like, well, you know, we just do what we do, and we know that God does does the rest. It's mm, like, well, mm. that's for sure. Absolutely. It's in the Lord's hands and, and the Holy Spirit's the one doing the heavy lifting on any uh, true ministry affair. But at the same time, it behooves us to look and say, what's coming out of this? I mm, mean, if we're having mm. a huge, you know, tract throwing party in a public square, it's a legitimate question to ask, is mm. anybody actually hearing the word? Is anyone actually responding? Are we? And um, that's what I think about this method is that it always works. Mm. Now, I'm not saying it always gets the desired goal of someone trusting in Jesus, but it always makes a substantial impact on the person you're talking to. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Instead of, you know, you throw a tract at someone and 99% of those people just throw them away. Again, not to say that tract ministry itself is bad. It's just where are you going to put the bulk of your time? Mm. So, I don't know. Do you have any other opening meditations or thoughts on, on the effectiveness of the method? Of selection or of the whole, like, the idea of having a master plan to begin with? 
Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I think selection, that idea of like being intentional about who you invest in. Okay, well, um, well, personally, I think uh, it is. Let's see. It's a. Uh, I'd say, huh. The idea of of it being intentional, as well. I think it's a, uh, because there's this sense of. I don't know. It's ironic. It's uh, for me like it's ironic for you to um, leave it all to God. I mean, to you know, quote unquote, leave it all to God right. um, for for His ministry to manifest in your life, and you're just there to reap the rewards, or for you to to basically um, harvest the seeds that you didn't even even plant to begin with, um, mm. and it's basically uh, you know it's it's uh, it's telling us that um, the idea of having uh, the idea of having a, a, a God who guides us for us to do his ministry involves us doing his ministry to begin with mm-hmm. and if you don't you know uh, the, the the act of there selecting and and going out there and doing his plan for realsies <laughs> is <laughs> uh is a way of disobeying him is a way of not following his orders it's a way of not pursuing the ministry and not having as much of an investment as much of a, a uh, as much of a desire and as much of a trust um to his plan and his work and 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 again it's uh, also the best the right the uh, the idea that the the highest form of flattery is imitation right the highest mm. form of praise is imitation mm. and if you look at how he did his ministry and how he handled his the, the 12 disciples that he would work with if you don't see it as an example and you don't follow it as an example and you just say, oh, well, I, you know, the God will, I mean, Jesus Christ will simply just uh, give me the disciples that I need or will just simply do the ministry for me and then I'll be there to receive and whatever uh, he has for me. It's all up to him. Uh, mm. That's one, that's lazy and two, that's also <laughs> un, um, antithetical, antithetical mm. to the... <laughs> the idea of of min of of uh ministering of of being a shepherd of being of being someone who 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 helps guide other people as well so i mean yeah. it, it kind of sounds confusing but it's all in my it's it's a it's it's a, a, a huge conflict in my brain because i mean I've, I've grown up with the idea of like um there's this term um uh, in in uh, in filipino culture that says bahalana uh, bahalana means Oh well, yeah, whatever. I mean, w- mm. let bygones be bygones, and mm. that uh, that kind of psychology, that kind of psyche, really. I mean, not even for like Christian ministry, but in so many aspects of life, that will really screw things up if you mm. if you don't plan certain things, if you don't have a goal in mind. And if there's no form, at the very least, a basic form of structure and intentionality in what you do, then, I mean, whatever plan there is or whatever goal that you want to achieve, it's never going to get there because there's no plan to head towards that goal. Who knows where you're Mm. heading towards, right? So, Mm. 
Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, you know, one of the things that I think is most profound about what Coleman observes, which actually shouldn't be surprising, mm-hmm. is he, he opens his chapter with the subsection, men were his method. And of course, mm-hmm. by that, he means people were his method. The reality is, is that we very frequently will get stuck up in the idea that if I just make this certain method, or if I just found this certain organization, or if I just write this book or draw up this tract, If I can make this thing, then all of a sudden that's going to contribute to the efforts. And it well might. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ was concerned with shaping the souls of those 12 disciples, right? So Mm. at the end of the day, the impact that meant something in his uh, summation and his plan was to invest in some individual lives and make that impact, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because we very frequently overlook that as one of our things. Like when we're, you know, looking at our checklist, our ministry checklist, it's easier to say, well, I finished my, you know, ministry TPS reports and I had my ministry blah, blah, blah. And I wrote out a new, you know, memo for all the people in the ministry. And then we started a new camp training camp for the people in the ministry. But when did you sit down and invest in someone else for Christ and listen to them and talk to them and really in a on a maybe one on one or three on one or twelve on one, whatever, small group setting, truly bring them closer to Christ or come closer to Christ mm. together, right? I mean, it's so I don't know why why do you think that is? Why is it so much easier for us to focus on things to do and checklists and, and you know, concrete tasks than investing in individuals? Uh, well, I think it's, uh, um, hmm. but I guess for one, there's a whole lot of emotional output that comes Mm. along with investing in individuals. And if it's all cookie cutter, uh, you can be basically, it then becomes, um, mechanic. It then becomes like, it, it goes into autopilot that you, whatever you do with kid A, you do with kid B kid C, kid, kid D, and basically, um, and for me, I think it's, uh, it's quite, the, it's quite, um, how do you put it? It's uh, quite obvious in how, for example, how we do tests and how we give tests to kids. Um, mm. You know, it's, uh, they say that the best way for us to know if a kid understood the lesson is by giving essay exams, right? But essay exams are the worst exams to check because you have to read <laughs> these um, individual outputs that might not even be good to begin with. Uh, <laughs> and then sometimes it's even like it was, it's really hard to read. Mm. But uh, um, yeah, so basically it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's tough. But then it's also the most accurate because uh, it's very individualistic. It's very it's individualized. It's personal. It's how you really go to the point where you ask the students, what do you understand? How do you understand mm-hmm. it? Tell us so we can read it mm-hmm. and we can understand. We can, we can assess if you really understood it. But if it's like an objective exam, it's easy to make. It's very easy to check. But it might not be an accurate representation of what they truly know. So right. it's, uh, it's, and then when you look at it in ministry, Sure, it's easy to treat every kid's every kid the same. Oh, equality, equality. But then, <laughs> and there's also that idea of equality versus equity. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen that. I've seen posts about that, 
where people say, no, we keep on harping about equality, equality, we need to be equals. But we need to talk about equity a lot more because mm-hmm. equity is, you know, creating solutions and creating a system where everyone doesn't necessarily get the same thing. But in the end, we give specific stuff personalized to what people would need in order for us to be on the same level. So, and yeah. So it's oh, and it's so important that that we that we see that that that's what mm. Jesus was doing, right? Yeah. I mean, we think of that might in, might be thinking of that in some sort of social context, but yeah. in terms of our ministry, it's yeah. actually where it's really important. Yeah, that is to say that someone else is not going to, or two people aren't going to encounter Christ in the same mm. way, or aren't going to have the same questions, or aren't yeah. going to have the same, yeah. you know, exactly. challenges. For one person, yeah. ta- thinking about God as Father might be very difficult if yeah. they had a difficult father figure yeah. situation. Yeah. Right. For another person, it might be they yeah. might struggle with abandonment issues, mm. and so they need to understand different things about Christ. Mm-hmm. So so the point being that we can't treat people like our cookie cutter, they just need this information, they just need yeah. this tract. That's true. And that That's happens so true. with within the context of individual attention. So mm. um, I really do think that that's a great, uh, great observation. Yeah. And the other thing that that uh, points out, or this book points out, is that Jesus obviously came with a kind of come one, come all offer of love mm. and salvation, forgiveness and peace. But he didn't spend his time with everyone. He specifically chose Mm. who he was going to invest his time with. Mm. And it's interesting that we see he didn't choose the people that we might think to choose, the the, uh, politically expedient people. He didn't choose the folks that that were... um, you know, rich or powerful or famous, Mm-mm. he chose a handful of fishermen. And yet mm. he committed to spending more time with them and really giving a lot of the political and religious leaders the yeah. cold shoulder. Yeah. You know, um, and rather than considering continually, you know, uh, courting the rich and powerful, Mm-mm. he t- uh, selected people. And it seems as if his major qualification, as Coleman points out, is were they willing to learn? Were mm. they teachable? Mm-mm. Right. He, he, he wasn't going to waste his time on the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees who already knew it all. Mm. He was going to find people who are ready to listen, who are ready to learn, who are ready to grow. And so that happened to be some fishermen, some tax collectors who are the outcasts of society. Mm. It was some uh, folks who were, you know, political dissidents and just a quite a broad array, kind of a ragtag band of uh, of men who were at least interested in knowing more about the Christ, about his mission, about God, about what he was doing. And so this idea of not just wasting your time on every person who's available to you, but finding the people who are available to you and also interested in being taught Mm. and interested in growing towards Christ is is a fascinating um, Mm. metric as to where Mm. you're going to spend your time, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if we spend all of our time on, you know, just chasing after whoever we think is the cool kid or whoever we think is, but they're non-receptive. Whereas we could have invested a great amount of time in the kid who perhaps doesn't seem to be as influential or important or whatever, the person who doesn't seem Mm. as influential or important, but they want to go grow closer to Christ. Well, mm. with whom are you having the better impact? Clearly, the person who's available and teachable. And um, I mean, the classic acronym that's been used time and time again around this is that you're looking for fat people, which always <laughs> makes me feel good inside. But you're looking for people who are faithful, f- available, 
and teachable. You're looking for mm. people who are who are faithful to God and faithful to grow in Christ. You're looking for mm. them to be available. They're just not too busy to uh, to do those things, and they're teachable, right? Mm. And yet that kind of goes counter to our um, corporate mindset of, no, 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 you want to get as many customers as possible. You want to get as many people as possible. Yeah. But the truth be told, by investing in a few very deeply, very seriously, mm. and transforming them and making them into disciple makers by the power of Christ and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're actually affecting far more people in the long run in a more profound way. Mm. Mm. That is... Uh... I mean, I guess it's a okay. So there's this thing uh, that that really struck uh, struck with me when when you talked about looking for fat people and looking for people who are who are teachable, who who are willing to learn, right? Um, so for the past few years, I've been coaching our school's um, biology Olympiad team, and for the first couple of years, um, we had like good teams, but we always ended up with people who didn't study, I guess, didn't really, mm. um, you know, weren't, I mean, we got this, the smartest kids to, to, to join the teams and, and they were, they were pretty good. Um, but we never really got to the point where we performed as well as we wanted to. And mm. oftentimes it's, uh, it's because the students they they're not prepared when we go to the competition they're not they go unprepared they didn't study when i asked them uh have you done your readings for the, the for you know um these past couple of weeks they wouldn't say they would say no uh so they 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 were they agreed to go but i you know it was kind of obvious that their heart wasn't really in it yeah, and now and uh, these past two years, and unfortunately because of the pandemic, uh, last year's team didn't wasn't able to proceed to the finals because there was no finals at all. Mm-hmm. They canceled the whole thing. Um, but for this year, uh, what we did was we asked, you know, we asked them if uh, if you know, we asked the students, hey, who wants to join? Um, you take this quiz, and uh, if you wanted to join, you know, you, you just. Uh, try out for it and um, uh, w- we'll see who who gets into the group and um, once they once we were able to choose the teams that got to the competition um, we put them in a in a in a basically before they also joined um, first of all we noticed that we have so much like a very just like the number of of uh, applicants for the team lowered like by dozens right mm. so it's a it's a handful of people tried out for it and but what, what the, but the thing was these are people who were interested mm. in it to begin with and mm. they knew that they were um they were ha- they would have to prepare for weeks of training and studying etc cetera, etc cetera. and now um, because we had a team that was willing to join and was willing to, to study and prepare for it, we ended up performing pretty well. And, mm. um, well, we, we, we're still in the semifinals, but basically before from like the f- past years, we've been joining this competition. We've only had one, like one, uh, well, uh, one pair of students get into the semifinals, uh, 
you know, just to get in there. Mm. And uh, but now for this team, out of the four students that we have, we have three in the semifinals, and one of them like really in the contention to to really take it and win it. Um, mm. And so we, what we were, th- what we what we thought was like, wow, this team, you know, these must be like ultimately super smart. This must be a very smart batch of kids. But when you think about it, th- these students, uh, with the difference between these students, I mean, th- they were probably they're probably as smart as the other teams. But it's just that they are here because they want to. Mm. So, you know, it's a uh, there's that difference of wanting to be there and being forced to be there or just going there for the benefit of it all, but not for the growth that comes along with it. So, yeah. And that's it. I think that's one of the biggest things that plagues ministers has plagued my ministry, at least over the years is you find people with just an abundance of availability, but Mm. they're not faithful to what Mm. it is that you want to bring them towards. They're Mm. not faithful to Christ or they're not teachable. They don't want to learn it. They already think they know everything. So why do they need (laughs) someone to invest in them and mentor them and disciple them? Right. And, and I think that that's a huge temptation because again, our propensity for judging things by nickels and noses and the size or the numbers of the ministry, Mm -hmm. give us that willingness to basically say, well, you know, just anybody who's bored, anybody who's free, anyone (laughs) who's available should, should come along. And, (laughs) and maybe if you're talking about like a, a Young Life Club or a, you know, Billy Graham Crusade, some kind of outreach event, then maybe that is what you want. You want to put Mm. everyone you can in front of Mm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to how you're going to spend your time, how you're going Mm. to invest the meaningful moments of your life, Mm. um, then don't let it be with someone who's only meeting with you because they didn't have something better to do because they were bored. Like one, that's an insult to you, but also it's not going to be an effective use your time. You need to find people who are not just available, but also faithful to, to, to God or faithful to learning or wanting mm. to move towards, like you said, that intention. And they're teachable. They're willing to listen, right? I mean, if someone knows all the answers, they're mm. probably not worth spending a lot of time. And oh, by the way, if you want to find and attract teachable people, that means we have to be teachable too, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We have to be faithful to our desire to grow in Christ and see others grow in Christ. We have to be ava- make ourselves available, which is really difficult because I, I love what you said about how emotionally expensive it is to be available to a small group of people mm. uh, all the time or, or with, with consistency. And finally, we need to be teachable to recognize that while we have made it our goal to, to spur others on towards Christ and move them closer to Jesus, that we also have plenty to learn, right? And that attracts the type of people who also share that attitude, you know? So it's a it's a pretty pretty powerful thing. And yeah. I think the other thing that we noticed is, or and we may have even mentioned, but um, Coleman points out, he says, one cannot transform a world except as individuals in the world are transformed, and individuals cannot be changed except as they are molded in the hands of the master. The necessity is apparent not only to select a few laymen, but to keep the group small enough to be able to work effectively mm. with them. Right? Can you imagine going to uh, you know your church board and saying, hey, we want to keep this small. We're going to keep things small in this, you know, context or this setting. But Mm. that's exactly what needs to happen because Mm -mm. in a small group, you can make progress that you can't make. I mean, can you think of what you might do in a situation Mm. with a small group of people that you would never do with a group of 50 or 100? Mm. And I I think it's also quite apparent. I mean, I keep keep 
pulling it back to like the idea of education, but I think mm-hmm. it's also, I mean, the idea of discipling others to disciple others and that, and basically Jesus was their teacher. Right. So it then mm-hmm. is quite, um, analogous to effective education. And, um, and it's been a, a huge battle cry, I guess, for the education system to lower the number of students in a classroom mm-hmm. to a much more intimate number. Um, mm-hmm. cause the smaller the number, uh, the, the better the quality of the education. Mm-hmm. Um, cause for me, I used to teach classes of up to 40 above. So 40, like 40 to 45 students mm-hmm. and it's stressful. And I've, I've always, I've had many instances where I try my best to be very relational with all my students. And then I remember a couple of students a couple of years ago, and I thought that I was being relational to everyone. turns out I wasn't because th- mm. there were these comments from students like, he only chooses students that he likes. He only talks to students that he's that that are outgoing or blah blah blah, and he doesn't talk to every single every single one, and probably not to the extent where I f- completely ignore them. It's just that they probably didn't get as much attention as they wanted to, and they weren't able to like express it vocally. That I, you know, because if they did, if they told me, then I probably would have. Um, paid more attention to them it's just that I felt that um, you know trying to get to everyone um, it then I was spread out too thin uh, mm. relationally that mm. it then becomes uh, you know it, it then becomes um, under or less than enough or yep. less than adequate for everyone mm-hmm. instead yes. of you know instead of having equal amounts of attention and care and guidance to each student because you're spread out too thin the same amount of the maximum love that you can give is spread out too thin that everyone else gets lesser mm. so and no one gets enough right and no one gets enough yeah and that's that is i think the really key uh, principle of this method so jesus mm. christ mm. the son of god becomes incarnate on earth, takes on the form and many of the limitations of humanity Mm. and recognizes that by saying, look, I can't minister to everybody in the world in Mm. this form, right, in this humanity at once. So I'm going to choose an effective number. I'm going to choose three. I'm going to choose 12. I'm going to choose 72 to have a positive impact on. Mm. So like what you're pointing out, right, is that because you're not God— Robbie, mm. right? Mm. You can't minister to 40. <laughs> 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 kidding, kidding. Because you're not, right? You you, mm. you can't minister effectively to 40 people directly. Mm. And when the Lord took on those limitations to show us what ministry, well, one, to save our souls, but also to show us what ministry looked like, he said, mm. no, 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 no. It's not all about the big the big fields full of people. It's not all mm. about the stadium ministry. Mm. It's the most important thing is that in a context of three, in the context of 12, you can have a conversation. Mm. And like you said, the shy students will then, or shy people, the shy folks who are involved, will then maybe feel the courage to, to stand up and talk, where they'd never talk in a group of 40 mm. or 100. Mm. And they can, people feel free amongst a group of 12 close friends, right, to say mm. something stupid. 
Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't understand this. And I think that that is the reason why you think about some of the most profound lessons in the New Testament mm-hmm. happened because the disciples felt like it was okay to ask the stupid question. Mm. You know, in a big group, everyone just sits around and goes, oh, yeah, I understand. Do you understand? Oh, yeah, I understand. We, we all understand. <laughs> Nobody would ever be stupid enough to ask that question, right? But in a group of three or 12, Philip can stand up and go, what are you talking about, Lord? Mm. What do you mean you're yeah. the, you know, what do you mean they're the way? And then Jesus explains that. Mm. So they stand in for all of us because he chose to approach them yeah. in that sh- small, intimate setting. And so we would be fools not to also consider that our most important or high impact place of, of encountering people in a ministry context. Mm. So in other words, your Bible study or your small group or your campaigner group of of three, five, four, five people might feel unsuccessful at a certain point, but you're actually having the greatest impact you could have, and far more so than the teacher who's teaching to, you know, five million people on YouTube and three million people in person and whatever, because quite frankly, at that point, you're just a talking head. Mm. No one can get in and ask questions. So it's um it, 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 it's fascinating because it, to us, it's so counterintuitive, but it seems to be that that is how... Uh, people, how we make a significant impact mm. on on the lives of others. Yeah, yep. It's a, uh, I guess it's a, it's it's quality over quantity. That's that's mm. that's uh, <laughs> one of the mm-hmm. best ways to see and to appreciate the the idea of quality over quantity. Mm. Yeah, I love this uh, this quote. He says he says the more concentrated the size of group being taught, the greater the opportunity for effective instruction, mm. right? I, I, and I think it's so neat, honestly. You, know, you think about it, our modern ideas about um, education mm. are so heavily and poisonously shaped by the Industrial Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. The whole point of the Industrial Revolution was if we just get a factory and I just put on my widget and you put on your widget and that guy puts mm-hmm. on his widget and then we're going to get a car. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we do cars so much faster than we ever did cars. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? We said, oh, well, we'll just treat people like cars. We'll mm-hmm. put them through first grade and second grade and third grade and you can put 150 people in each class and they'll all take the information and then at the end there'll be little cars. There'll be little humans that know mm-hmm. all the things we want them to know. And what we found is that's an absolute Mm. abysmal failure, Mm. right? Mm -mm. It didn't make people who know more. It didn't make people who think better. In fact, it made people who were less capable of thinking critically and more capable of just trying to figure out how to survive in a system that's modeled after a machine Mm. rather than after a system that recognized the organic, unique, original uh, situation and viewpoint of each person involved. Mm. So... It's fascinating that what the Lord uh, exhibited all those years ago, we're just now discovering in modern, you know, life and education and child rearing, how important that is. It's pretty powerful, pretty powerful indeed. Um, But I think on the other side, we have this, uh, the the possible tendency, I know in my mind, to go, okay, well then only one-on-one, only, you know, groups of three, groups of seven. That's all that matters. Forget the masses. Forget everybody else. Let's just yeah. do that. And <laughs> can you see any, like, would you offer any criticism to to maybe falling off on that extreme? Yeah, it's, uh, I get, um, the, the probably a lot of, and, and going back to, to those uh, issues that um, students have asked or have stated about, me being quite relational to to the students 
was that they felt excluded um, mm. and ignored um, mm. because I was very close to like a couple of students that I, you know, I felt that I had the most connection with that I, uh, you know, I still am friends with. And um, basically it's a, it, it ended up that they felt that, oh, well, I mean, you know, um, sure, you still are our teacher, but then I f- we feel like we simply just statistics on your class and we don't even matter because you completely ignore us. And I didn't mean to do that, but then I probably was super fixated on, on making sure that the, the relationship that I had with my students, with the ones that I was close with, um, were probably you know would would be fruitful or would be would be earnest and and then strengthened um that i i forgot to be Mm. honest i forgot about the others and Mm. um and i think that's uh you know um going to the extreme part of of saying that oh i'm super intentional that i am intentional with ignoring everyone else because this (laughs) elite few um the 70 the 12 uh the, the the three these are the only people that matter when in fact it's not it shouldn't be that way um you know mm-hmm. it's uh it's not it it's not t- to the point of this is an exclusive thing and you should totally forget about the rest you mm. know it's, it's a yes <laughs> yeah so i mean in christ right of course Jesus is always perfect, yeah. <laughs> so so we got to give that to him. But uh, he he displayed that just because he spent the bulk of his time with this mm. three, you know, with Peter, James, and John, and with the twelve disciples, mm. and then even the seventy two, it didn't stop him from going and and teaching to the masses. Mm. Right, so he would still teach, you know, the Sermon on the Mount with mm. with people around, and he'd have the feeding of the five thousand, the feeding of the four thousand, and mm. you know, so many people gathered around him at certain occasions that he had to back up and get into Simon Peter's boat so that he mm. didn't get crushed or thrown, you know, pushed yeah. into the water. Like, so it's fascinating that it's not an either or, right? Mm. Um, I think the point that this book is is making is that the most imp- high impact things that Jesus did were what he did on a one-on-one but that doesn't mean that we don't uh, do the 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 larger broad you know netcast of mm. various other teaching opportunities mm-hmm. so to have a thousand people in your young life club is still a blessing Mm-mm. but it's not an excuse not to have three people and or five people whatever in your campaigner group and mm. put the time there right yeah. So, because right there's importance and value in investing in the masses. Because mm. who else is going to step forward, or where else are they going to step forward and say, like you said, I, I, I like what you're saying. I need more of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so they'll step forward. And who are they going to step forward to? Well, mm. maybe it's you, the min, you know, the primary mover, the f- minister. Mm. But the great thing is about this is if you have your three and you have your 12 around you, the groups of people that you've invested in, then you have other people that can include that new person who stepped forward in their three or mm. their 12, Mm-mm. right? So then all of a sudden you're reaching the multitudes, but you're reaching the multitudes so that there's an available mentor, available discipler, if you mm. disciple maker, there to meet them relationally yeah. and give them the kind of individual love and care and attention that they're needed, mm. that, that they need, right? That they're, 
And, and you know, it's so funny because you pointed it out. You know, we, we so much resent teachers for having, you know, a teacher's pet or a click of their favorite students. And yeah. it's because we're jealous. What's so <laughs> special about them? I'm special and unique and fun and interesting and smart too. And he says, <laughs> yes, you are, but you didn't stand up and you didn't yeah. reach out, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And, and maybe the teacher's at fault occasionally for choosing favorites on their terms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, is all that's really signifying right in ourselves is that that we also want love we also want attention Mm -mm. and um the great you know of course in a classroom setting this would be very difficult over the course of you know just an academic year you couldn't do it but in the spiritual setting you you 100 can be preparing and building people up to love in that way the 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 thing i had was because i remember i was confronted um so an online forum there was an online forum where people could ask questions about you and then one of the students one of my former students actually started sending me messages about it and how uh, how to bluntly put it embittered he or she was about how i was choosing students over them and just like focusing on a couple of students and having teachers pets basically um Mm -hmm. and why i didn't mind them um and it was unfair um in my mind was like well it'd be pretty awkward for me to approach you with the same gusto and the same fervor that i did with those who i already know would warmly receive me um because for one that's i mean that's been an issue that's a that's a that could be an issue uh, on so many levels. Oh, you know, mm. this teacher is pretty inappropriate because he was so friendly and super friendly. That's so suspicious and that's so creepy. And I don't want that mm. to happen because, right. I mean, who am I to assume that you would be in, in um, you would be wanting to have that friendship with me? Because um, mm. if you had asked, I would readily be your friend because these mm-hmm. people that I'm close with, they're the ones who approached me and, signified and then that indicated that they wanted to be friends with me because i'm you know i don't want to be i don't want to cause issues i don't want to make people talk i don't want to want to create a ruckus um because i wanted to be friends with everyone you know i had Mm. to respect other people's um desires and other people's preferences so i mean i try to explain that and i guess it's also quite um uh, applicable on on, and this when when like you can't talk to everyone. You can't, you mm. can't, you know, everybody can't be your disciple or be part of your discipleship group. Um, and, uh, and you, you can't also, and, and you've seen how, how the world tends to shun and tends to be very mean and, and um, uh, antagonistic towards people who are, who heavily proselytize or um, heavily uh, declare, um, like, oh, do you want to follow my discipleship group? Hey, do you want to be my disciple? Hey, do you want to, you know, um, and it's very antagonistic towards that. I'm not saying that's mm. a, a super bad thing. What I'm saying mm. is it, it can often be ineffective and it can often lead to a lot of issues and and, and um, a lot of uh, hate towards uh, you. So, mm. uh, and, and yeah, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not necessarily that you're forgetting about these other people. It's just that... Um, there is that need as well to step forward as well and to, to indicate that, Hey, or to like be, um, and it's also a burden as well on our part as well to be very super observant on the kids that are around us on who you think 
would be receptive and who you think you know th- the idea of contact work and building relationships with that um is uh is quite applicable to to knowing who to approach and knowing who to include in that group so mm. yeah yeah i mean you know another great quote from this chapter of the book says for this reason unless jesus converts were given competent men of god to lead them on and protect them in the truth they would soon fall into confusion and despair and the last state would be worse than the first Mm -hmm. i I think that's the other thing to note that when you're uh, and it kind of relates to you know, Second Timothy two two talking about how mm. we're to commit these things to faithful men who will in turn teach others also. But the recognizing that you're not discipling someone for your sake, obviously, mm. so you'd mm. feel really good about yourself, and you're not discipling someone for their sake, so mm. they'll feel really good about themselves. Mm. You're si- discipling, you're in, you're mentoring, you're building into them so mm. that they can minister to others. And mm. I think that's kind of the problem, whether it's you know a clickishness in a ministry or in a church or in any setting, mm. but. The problem is, is that people like to gather around the leader or the pastor or whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, that that they think is cool are doing so for their sake versus the picture of turning that around and trying to encourage them. Like, yeah, so I want to draw you closer to me so that I can build you up to draw others closer to you, mm-hmm. right? So that mm-hmm. more and more as we can more effectively so that to the point where after a fashion, there will no longer be any kind of an in crowd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, a, you know, a, a, a popular group or an yeah. unpopular group or yeah. whatever, because everybody is growing. If you have the, the blessing of being pulled into, you know, being in someone's inner circle of, mm. of, of folks that they're mentoring and discipling, preparing, mm-hmm. then your goal is then to make your own circle going forth. And mm. their goal will be to make their own circle going forth of people in whom they care about and invest with, with their limited amounts mm. of time. Um, I really do think it is in in the context of ministry, at least, the only effective way to truly uh, have a lar- hopefully a large group of people who are being ministered to, but not just everybody connected to the central dot. We could use it, and of course this is easier visually, but we could think about it like if you put a dot in the middle to represent the leader, right? And then mm. you drew as many lines as was mathematically possible, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least spatially possible on your piece of paper. You could maybe draw a hundred lines off of that. But if you only drew three lines, and then three lines off of those three, and then three lines off of those three, obviously, right, you have an exponentially larger set of connections than could ever come if everybody was just trying to connect to mm. that central leader, mm. right? And and that should be our model of ministry, because ultimately, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the center of our ministry, and he does mm. have now in his glorified state, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of his word and his, his world spirit working through the church, the ability to impact, impact and affect everybody. And mm. our job is to mind those that we can responsibly impact ourselves and equip them to impact others, mm. right? Mm. In this way, we we impact a far greater audience than we might um, might otherwise. So it's it's really important that we recognize that this isn't just hey just focus on that three people and ignore everybody yeah, else. You know, yeah. forget the world, dump them. Mm. It's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, not mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we it, it, the funny thing is right. This principle works everywhere. Yeah. Right, mm. no matter what you're doing, whether it's education mm. or um, 
business, right? Business models. In fact, uh, yeah, yeah, various yeah. people, various people have pointed out how that is a great, you know, model for building even a secular mm. business. But it's tapping into how God created humanity to relate to one another, to understand mm. and embrace our limitations, and also fulfill our needs for true mm. intimacy and knowledge and spiritual growth. Yeah, and I think it's also like you could see it as well with how churches are progressing um, mm. with like you've seen like mega churches and it's also you know, very much relevant to how I grew up and how I've grown up um, with my personal progression with my church life because I, well, I grew up in church, right? I grew up in a, in a, in a, mm. in a church where... Um, the 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 main uh sermon where everyone gathers around or sunday school blah 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 these are what's important right these are the important things as a kid that's what i felt were the focus of the church um and then everything else after that like the the adult bible studies and the adult sunday school these were like ah yeah it's fine and then um but they weren't they were like secondary what's important was as long as you attended the, the main service, then you're good to go. You've punched your card. Sunday is good. Everything else in the week is, you know, you could do whatever. Um, mm. Now I, when I went into college, um, so I had to go out from the city. So I had to, to look for another church and um, I ended up in a church wherein um, it was uh, a seeker friendly church. And cause I felt that, Oh, it's a, uh, it's an easy going to church and kind of like easy to digest. The ideas were easy to digest. And, mm. um, there's a lot of people there and I can drown myself out with a crowd and say, I attended Sunday service and that's it. I could just go home. And, mm. and as the years went by after college, I went back to Cebu and then I attended more or less a similar church and it was at a mall. And basically it's a, it ended up, I was ended up for like a couple of years, I guess, like four to five years of, of living that kind of life we're in um, or living that church life that I had no desire to serve mm. and to find a group, a small group. And then I realized, wait, I'm not growing. And, mm. and then the church itself, it doesn't necessarily emphasize as well the, the, the importance of having small groups, right? So I didn't mm. feel the the need and the desire to go into small groups what was important was that sunday service that amazing lesson that i heard on that sunday that's good enough and you know um I, I've, i'm fed for the rest mm. of the week um mm. until like probably when i hit rock bottom i guess uh mm. for for in, in many in many ways in more ways than one um mm -hmm. i moved to another church. I looked for another church and then I realized that in this new church that I was going to, the, the focus is not, they keep saying, well, this Sunday gathering, this is good. And we, we want you guys to be here, but this is not the focus of this church. The main focus of this church is a small group. And mm -hmm. we want you as much as possible. You don't have to be here on a Sunday, but as much as possible, we want you to join a small group and grow with a small group. And, mm -hmm. So I joined a small group and I realized, wow, it's a, it's a mountain of a difference with just going on a Sunday. And then the experience of, of, a, of my church life then is radically changed from 
a Sunday thing to an everyday thing, from mm. a, a thousand people thing to five to ten people thing. But the 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 learning and the understanding and the value it then no longer becomes detached because I'm no longer detached with that Sunday experience. I'm personally invested and I'm personally involved with that small group experience. So mm. it changed a lot for me, and it made me appreciate and made me understand why the twelve disciples were there why um the master plan thing you know was going on and um and it's a you know it's a at first i was like okay so sure they have like young life is wanting to do small groups and everything like i mean wouldn't it be better to have like club or or (laughs) camps that are really nice because kids are gonna be uh drawn into to um acceptance night and then you, you can bring kids to come like to commit to, to having a relationship with Christ. Isn't that what's what young life is all about? But mm-hmm. then after a while, after a long while, it may realize no, that's not what young life is about. That's part of the ministry. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the goal is to introduce and give an honest introduction to Jesus Christ. And what better way to have an honest introduction to Jesus Christ than to actually be in a ministry that's similar that's modeled after what Jesus Christ was doing and having and experiencing the kind of relationship that Jesus Christ was showing to his disciples. So, mm. you know, it's a, the, the amount of learning, the amount of, of, of value of, of, of having that small group and being selected and being part of that, that group, that intentional group really mm. radically changed my perspective on on mm. what church is what cr- relationship with christ is and the value of of a small group and a, a a group of brothers and sisters that um you know it's it's not as fancy as a mega church but it's mm. uh it's way more powerful way more impactful in my life Amen. Amen. I really appreciate the kind of closing exhortation that, that <laughs> Coleman gives in this yeah. uh, in this chapter. Yeah, he yeah. says, here is, here is where we begin, to, uh, sorry, here is where we must begin, just mm. like Jesus. Mm-hmm. It will be slow, tedious, painful, and probably unnoticed by men at first. But the end result will be glorious, even if we don't live to see it. Mm. Seen this way, though, it becomes a big decision in the ministry. One must decide whether he wants his ministry to count in the momentary applause of popular recognition or in the reproduction of his life in a few chosen men who will carry on his work after he is gone. Really, it is a question of which generation are we living for? Mm, and your your example is such a beautiful one, and whether it's churches or ministries or the like, the point is is that we can have a, a church or a ministry that is really just for the present generation, mm, or we can have a ministry that is meant to be impactful or will mm, be high impact mm. for generations to come. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to train and equip faithful men Mm-mm. who will in turn, or people, I should say, who will train in turn, train and equip other faithful people, men and women also. Mm-hmm. So it is really a powerful point. And um, as we're going to go next week into the discussion of association, in other words, now you've selected where you're going to spend your time, these faithful, mm-hmm. available, teachable people. You're not just getting led around by every you know wind of doctrine, a wave of mm-hmm. possibility or big meeting or big gathering. 
but what do you do once mm. you've got them there? So mm. um, what what's that about? So well, that moves into the next chapter of association. But mm. I have so much appreciated um, our discussion today, yeah. Robbie. I mean, th- <laughs> this, this to me really is at the center of what the church has been doing wrong. Mm. I mean, a, a big... A big church, a big club, a big gathering, a big crusade event, that's not something to criticize. But we must recognize that it is also in and of itself entirely insufficient. Mm. Yes. It is at most the top 2%. It's the uh, the foam on the latte. It's not yeah. the coffee. Yeah. It's not it's the actually, milk. <laughs> and then I remember having a conversation with a friend and what 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 he said was, you know the Sunday thing? You know, like it's a it no longer becomes like it no longer becomes the focus of church for me. It's like mm-hmm. I kind of want like I miss having corporate worship with lots of people. And that's just like because I'm so on fire about Jesus Christ, because I'm so on fire with my relationship with the Lord that I want to celebrate it. I just want to sing and dance with with people that I love. Mm-hmm. But it, but that fire that desire to sing and dance won't exist if we don't have this gathering. We don't have this <clears throat> small group with us. Mm. Um, so, and and I noticed that you know it's a uh, the, the and it's also the same with life. The mm. the friendships, the relationships that count the most are the ones that's personal, are the ones that catered to you as an individual, that's catered to you specifically and 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 tailor fit to your personality and to who you are and not just mm. whether or not you're a part of a congregation or not. It's, Amen. and then that's when also the, the most intimate of converse, the most intimate of conversation, the most powerful conversations are the most intimate, the most powerful relationships are the closest and the, the most uh, unforgettable lessons are the ones that are being taught to you specifically. And, mm. uh, and I, that's, that's, that's what we should remember as ministers as mm. as ministers of Christ's ministry that the ministry of Christ would not have have an impact to kids that for one for us in, in the context of the Philippines never had have grown up with the idea that church is going to be a big building where you go like touch the wall you're done you can get out um <clears throat> it's not uh, w- w- if they grew up with that kind of mentality Whatever you do, if it's going to be a big budget thing with thousands of kids, sure, that's going to bring in sponsors, I guess. Sure, it's going <laughs> to bring in um, people who might support you or might, you know, have the 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 kids like might, you know, uh, entice kids to, to more activities with you. But those kids won't come to begin with if nobody had be- became friends with them. If nobody <laughs> intentionally said, hey, want to join? Mm-hmm. And that that desire to belong and that desire to be part of something should be f- be fostered, should be should be focused on and 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 should be utilized by the ministry that these kids want to belong. That's why they joined. And if they want to belong, then you make them belong. You uh, you bring them in. You tell them, hey, you belong here. We are your family and we would want you to be here. And this is for you specifically, your name. That's why I know who you are. That's why you matter. You matter enough that I remember who you are. And mm. I, that's that for me 
is as powerful and even more powerful than any thousand kid young life club mm. thousand kid thousand piece people um crusades concert whatever mm. so yeah Amen. No, it's fantastic. Well, the book we're talking about is The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert E. Coleman, and mm, it's hopefully mm. been made clear that it is actually a model for ministry mm. in general, not just expressly uh, what we traditionally think of as evangelism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend that you find a yeah. copy. You can find free PDF copies online mm. if you search hard enough. Um, or I did. I, various... I, I just I, – because I, I – I don't think I because I remember asking for a copy of it from someone and then I I, I think they have, I ever got a copy from a because mm-hmm. I asked a friend a couple of months ago for a copy of it and I never got a copy so I tried looking for it on Google and the first thing I found when I looked for the master plan of evangelism PDF was a PDF copy nice. <laughs> And again, well worth uh, well worth getting your hands on. There's also yeah. various budget editions. It's available in Kindle in mm. certain areas. So um, if you would like to follow along with the study, feel free to pick up a coffee, copy and read along. Yep. Additionally, mm-hmm. if you go to uh, my YouTube channel, this is Bradley Mastin. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come and find a whole series that called The Demand for Discipleship that is more kind of like 20 to 25-minute meditations or thoughts on each chapter. So that's a, another thing to consider yeah. mm-hmm. if you need uh, alternate resources. And especially, please consider uh, commenting, rating, and, and subscribing to this uh, yeah. this podcast so that you can stay connected. We would love to hear your comments. And if you, would, if you have any questions you'd like answered or any points or observations you'd like to make, we would be excited mm. to read them uh, on, the, on our next or in a future podcast. You can email <laughs> us at... R, the letter R, the letter N, the letter B, and Godcast, G-O-D-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com. Is that right, Robbie? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so R-N-B, Godcast, at gmail.com. And we would so much uh, love to uh, Mm. connect with you in any way that that we possibly can and help encourage you in your ministry as you select whom you are going to invest in Mm. with your time. Amen. Uh, with the moments that God's given you on earth. So right. any any closing thoughts or, or messages to... Well, I guess, uh, you know, you um, the Lord has selected you uh, to be part of his ministry. And mm. let's not waste the opportunity. Let's not mm. waste the chance to, to be part of his of this ministry, this wonderful master plan. To, to spread his love, to spread the truth mm. of his ministry, spread the truth mm. of, of his plan and purpose for us. So, mm. you know, it's uh, let's not waste it. And mm. uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, we have a ho- our whole lives ahead of us. And let's <laughs> make sure that we live it as purposefully and as intentionally and as Christ like as we can. Amen. Amen. So until next time, I'm Brad. And I'm Robbie. And you've been listening to the (laughs) R&B Godcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.